You're listening to the Live Free Now podcast, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Find us online at livefreenow.show. And now your host, John Bush. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about cryptocurrency, uh, Bitcoin, blockchain technology, and the possibility or the theory that this technology is a Trojan horse aimed at ushering in a cashless society control grid paradigm. We're going to break all that down. And the reason, one of the reasons why I wanted to get into this was because we are hosting the D3 Tech Summit tomorrow, the Dis- Decentralized Distributed and Disruptive Technology Summit. That's all taking place April 24th and 25th. You can go to d3techsummit.com to learn more. It's part of the Greater Reset Activation You can go to thegreaterreset.org to learn more about that. This is our response to the World Economic Forum's Great Reset Agenda, where they want to reshape civilization. They want to reshape the relationship between government and individual, reformulate business. And a big part of it is what's called the Fourth Industrial Revolution, which essentially is the merging of biology and technology for greater surveillance, centralization, and control. Well, we want to counter all of that, and we want to leverage technology also, but to bring about privacy, decentralization, and freedom. And so that's exactly what we're going to be talking about at the D3 Tech Summit. We're going to introduce, we're going to highlight, it's already in existence, the first decentralized evolution. So that's our counter to the fourth industrial revolution. It's the first decentralized evolution. We're going to explore all that. we got amazing speakers that are going to be participating. So we're super excited for you to, to check that out and join us. Again, that's the four, the 24th and the 25th. So, you know, let's get right down to it. And, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this is because I know a lot of our audience and a lot of Derek Bros's audience and a lot of folks that subscribe to the conspiratorial view of history, myself included, They believe that Bitcoin and blockchain technology is this big mark of the beast, evil system that is a con from the get-go. I disagree. There's actually some controversy surrounding it. This woman named Allison McDowell, who does amazing research and really is exploring the Great Reset and the Fourth Industrial Revolution and this whole human capital bond, like really scary stuff. She seems to think that the Freedom Cell Network and the work that we do, it's all about cryptocurrency and that's it. And cryptocurrency is a big panacea and and it's all part of this system to track, trace, surveil, all sorts of stuff, right? Now, there is some truth to the fact that blockchain technology is in fact being leveraged by the Great Reset, by the Fourth Industrial Revolution, by the quote unquote New World Order. I'm going to break all that down and hopefully give you guys a better understanding of what's taking place. So as the theory holds, people don't want to touch Bitcoin. They want to stay away from cryptocurrency and blockchain technology because they believe it is controlled, contrived, and all part of this new world order system and institution. 
right? And a lot of people say this, but they very, very rarely even present any evidence showing this. In fact, I don't really think that there is evidence that shows that it was created for this purpose, right? Some people will point to a 1996 NSA paper, and the paper is titled How to Make a Mint, the Cryptography of Anonymous Electronic Cash, right? And they say that the NSA was exploring making cryptographic electronic cash, right? But if you understand Bitcoin and the innovation of Bitcoin, this NSA paper is lacking many of the key features. In fact, the key innovation, which would be the blockchain technology. What is blockchain technology? Well, with the Bitcoin invention, we blockchain came onto the scene. Essentially, it's a chain of blocks. It's a distributed public ledger that stores information. In the case of Bitcoin, it stores information about who owns what Bitcoin, or at least what Bitcoin is tied to what public address, and who sent what Bitcoin where to what other public address and when, right? And this is a digital ledger, and it's distributed and decentralized across all sorts of different nodes that are hosting this chain of blocks. Every 10 minutes, a new block gets added to the blockchain, and that block contains the information about the transactions that took place recently. That's a decentralized blockchain. And this enabled trustless, just it enabled trustless phenomenon and transactions and knowledge, trustless information. We no longer had to rely on a third party in order to maintain the legitimacy of a public ledger, right? Historically, ledgers have been used by banks, by governments, by central banks, by corporations. The Federal Reserve Bank maintains a ledger of, of how many dollars are being created and they're just constantly turning it out. Uh, you gotta trust your bank to maintain the ledger, your checking account, and they can do funny money. I think Wells Fargo or one of those banks was, was doing funny money not too long ago. And so because of this blockchain that has all that information distributed and all of the participants in the network have a consensus that it's accurate information because every time a new transaction takes place, they cross-reference it with the old transactions and the old history. Now we have this trustless phenomenon, which is pretty cool. That's not something that was present in the 1996 NSA white paper, nor was this proof of work concept where these computers have to use computing power in order to earn the right to solve the transactions, to, to verify the transactions that get included on a block. Right. So that's what a blockchain is. That's the technology underpinning the cryptocurrency Bitcoin and underpinning many other cryptocurrencies. Now, this came onto the scene in 2008 and the network was launched in 2009. Now, as Ruger Storm here says, and I invite you guys to participate and to share comments and all sorts of good stuff here uh, in the live stream. Ruger Storm says its origins are rather nebulous, which make it suspect. And that's right. So Bitcoin and cryptocurrency was invented by someone or a group of people that called themselves Satoshi Nakamoto. And we don't know who that is or who they are, right? Different people have theories, different people have insights into this, that, and the other. My theory is that Satoshi Nakamoto is a conglomeration of some of these old school crypto anarchists and cypherpunks that had been trying for years and years to create this digital currency that's that can't be replicated, right? 
there's multiple different people that worked on e-gold and different types of electronic cash, and they never really could figure it out. But Satoshi Nakamoto, he, she, they, or them did figure it out. And there was folks that got in trouble with the Department of Treasury for creating these experimental digital currencies. So it's no wonder that the creator of Bitcoin wanted to stay anonymous because perhaps they really figured out like, wow, this, this actually is, is something pretty cool. And in fact, Satoshi Nakamoto was still commenting on forum posts and participating in the development of the cryptocurrency until, until Brian Armstrong, no, not Brian Armstrong, Gavin Andreessen, one of the early developers of Bitcoin, until he was invited by the CIA to learn more about the cryptocurrency, right? So that's a little bit about the history. And yes, there are some unknowns that people could lead to speculation and mystery, right? But here's, here's my theory, right? I think that cryptocurrency came onto the scene and really surprised the elites, the globalists, the social engineers, the cabal, as many people were referring to them. I think that this presence of a decentralized technology, the ability to send and receive money, send it to anywhere in the world, anyone in the world, and there's not a damn thing any government can do about it. I think that, in fact, is quite frightening to those in power and actually a pretty cool thing, right? Now, mind you, governments can try to ban cryptocurrency, which they have. There was a government, I forget what it was recently, I read an article where they banned cryptocurrency and there was an increase in the number of peer-to-peer -peer transactions that were taking place that you could see on a blockchain, something like that. So a government can try to pass a law that says, can't do Bitcoin here, or you got to claim Bitcoin on your taxes or this, that, or the other. But really the cool thing is, is that people can choose to disobey that law and the system, the, the institution of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency cannot be shut down. And that's a very dangerous thing for people that want to control things, right? I want to point out a big distinction between a decentralized blockchain and a centralized blockchain. These decentralized blockchain technologies are unleashed into the public and no one controls them and no one owns them essentially. But if you participate in them, you kind of own them. So there's like no one owns them, but people do own them. It's a paradox. It's pretty cool. There's other blockchains that are centralized blockchains that are controlled by companies like Ripple, for example. This actually is a blockchain that is in bed, the company Ripple is in bed with bankers and they want to make it more efficient for these clearinghouses and ATM networks and banks to do business with one another. But that's a centralized blockchain and that blockchain can be inflated and changed and manipulated. But there's these decentralized blockchains like Bitcoin, for example, or Ethereum. In order for there to be network upgrades, in order for there to be changes in the protocol, there has to be a consensus. It's very free market type of thing, which is really pretty cool. So what's taking place is these decentralized blockchains are based on free market principles. And we have these centralized blockchains that are being leveraged now by institutions that are not very friendly to liberty, right? So for example, there is genuine concern about blockchain technology because certain blockchain technologies are being utilized to create digital identification, for example, 
here in the city of Austin, there's this program called MyPass that's being put forward by this Austin Technology Development Center or whatever. It's a public-private partnership. There's tax-exempt foundations that give money to the city, and the city rolls out programs. One of those programs is called MyPass, where they want to create blockchain digital identities for all the homeless people so they can more effectively track them and understand what social services are being doled out, right? This is all part of the Great Reset, Fourth Industrial Revolution. Of course, it starts with homeless and poverty. So the Great Reset, we want to tackle environmental problems and tackle poverty. It all sounds great, but then they expand it on beyond that, right? Now, blockchain technology is extremely efficient, and it's a great way to gather information and to analyze information. So what I believe is taking place is the powers that be were thrown off, caught off guard by the advent of blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. Again, you can't control it. People can send money and information anywhere. There's cryptocurrencies like Monero, for example, or Pirate Chain or Zcash that the transactions are completely obscured. You can send money to anyone and it's not knowable, right? The Bitcoin blockchain is transparent. Ours actually on a crazy run right now. It went from like 18 30 or 30 cents to $17 last time I checked. Absolutely ridiculous. Jack Spearco and his community were really pushing it. But we have these cryptocurrencies where people can send money wherever they want and no one can even know about it. It's a very beautiful thing. We also have decentralized social media platforms like Library, a blockchain that enables you to upload videos that can't be censored. YouTube and big tech are being censored and controlled. Meanwhile, there's decentralized blockchain-based social media networks where you can proliferate information and it can't be censored. Ironically, this Allison McDowell woman is like all against blockchain, but she puts her videos up on Odyssey, which is another version of library. I guess she's not aware that that's a blockchain. And she complains about censorship for on YouTube stuff getting censored. But at the same time, wow, there's this great solution we can put our videos and our content on this blockchain-based system that can't be censored, right? So we have this great stuff, this great freedom and innovation. But what's taken place, the cabal, the powers that be, are so conniving and really effective at a lot of stuff that they do, they are now leveraging this technology for their own ends, okay? So just because this tool is being leveraged by the cabal does not mean that the tool itself is inherently bad. Just like a firearm is a tool, someone can use it to defend their family from an attacker. People have used firearms to rise up against their oppressive and tyrannical governments, right? People use firearms to hunt and gain access to food. But people and governments also use firearms in order to do very nasty, sinister things, to coerce people into giving up their property, to forcibly steal from people, right? It's a tool. The tool itself is neutral, but the use of it and its application is where we can lay ethical judgments, okay? And so just because the elite and technocrats are leveraging blockchain technology, for example, there's this whole element of geospatial technology and tracking and control that's part of the fourth industrial revolution. Again, we're going to be breaking a lot of this stuff down at the D3 Tech Summit, which takes place tomorrow, 12 to 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, the 24th and the 25th. So this geospatial technology is like, imagine people have a blockchain-based identity, and that blockchain identity has an address, like a crypto address. 
that address can receive tokens. These tokens have different informations. And it could be the case that, let's say, for example, once you get your COVID vaccine, you receive a token that says you got your first dose. You receive a token that says you got your second dose. Now you're immunized. And in order to travel in public transportation or to enter certain areas of the city or to enter a federal building, you have to scan your immunity passport, which is tied to your blockchain ID. And that when it gets scanned, it double checks to see on the blockchain if you have those tokens granting you access to A, B, C, and D. Just the same if a social credit score system were to be rolled out in the West, it's already in China, blockchain technology could be leveraged to make this social credit score more efficient. When your social credit score reaches a certain level, let's say perhaps you are viewing undesirable websites or a facial recognition camera saw you without a mask on your face in the middle of flu season, or your household is putting out more carbon than they've been allotted for that particular season, then a token can be sent to your address that says your score dropped below 80 and you're not able to get access to financing, for example. That is how blockchain can be leveraged and most likely will be leveraged and already is being leveraged in some ways to do some nasty things. But on the flip side, right? So the, the prospect is blockchain technology is a Trojan horse meant to usher in a castless society mark of the beast system. Right, so the mark of the beast, it's in the Bible, it's old as time, it's the idea that people will not be able to engage in commerce unless they are allowed to by the beast, they'll be able, they'll be shut out of commerce if the beast system doesn't want them to engage in commerce. And so there's this disconnect in thinking whereby if that system were to be implemented, it's decentralized cryptocurrency technology, especially privacy cryptocurrencies like Monero that are the solution to that institution. Does that not make sense? So like PayPal, for example, is a centralized institution. It's run by a corporation. PayPal uses the United States dollar, another centralized institution run by the Federal Reserve Bank. I, in my business, sell Kratom and Delta 8 and CBD. These are natural products. They are made from plants. There's no problem with them. They help people to get off of drugs, avoid stress, all sorts of stuff. But because I was using PayPal in order to process credit card and debit card transactions, PayPal shut me out. They didn't like it. I was also shut down by Square as well and my original credit card processor where I had a little, a little terminal. These companies stopped me from using their platform in order to engage in commerce. It's not very difficult to see a leap where larger institutions can shut people down from commerce if their social credit score falls below, below a certain level or if they don't get their vaccine, for example, right? But it's cryptocurrency that cannot shut you out of use. And that's the beauty of it. And that's what people are failing to recognize. I accept cryptocurrency in exchange for my goods and services at mybravebotanicals.com. If you want to pay with Bitcoin Cash or Litecoin or Dash or Monero, you're welcome to do so. I invite you to do so. And there's nobody that can shut that down. I recently had my bank account shut down, Frost Bank, another centralized institution, uh, the branch manager at the downtown branch in Austin, Texas, gave me a call and said, you know, we discovered that uh, you were using Zelle in order to have payments sent to you. And we learned that you sell CBD and Kratom. Usually they don't even know what Kratom is, but they know what CBD is. And they're like, we don't do business with CBD businesses. 
unfortunately, we're going to have to shut down your account. And I told this woman, hey, you know, this is why I've been into Bitcoin for many years now, because there's no branch manager at the downtown Austin branch that can shut down my account. In fact, this cryptocurrency technology is the opposite of the mark of the beast system because it's decentralized and uncontrollable and you can't get shut out of it. You can choose to participate or not. That's the beauty of it. So we're caught in this par paradigm where because people are so paranoid of technology and because they read people's research where they're like really spot on with A, B, and C, but with D and E, they're kind of lacking and just making a lot of assumptions. We are now caught in this trap where the very mechanism that can help us avoid the mark of the beast system is being ridiculed and avoided because people think it's the mark of the beast system. Do you see that? Does that make sense? Right? So Lewis Phillips asks, do you take Pirate Chain? Yes, you can buy CBD, Delta 8 THC, and Kratom with Pirate Chain. Armity. That is right. So I just want to rock that out there. Tom Palm says, we need more entrepreneurs accepting. What is Tom Palm? We need more entrepreneurs accepting privacy coins as payment. Yep, you can use R. I think I still have Monero enabled, but you can definitely pay with Pirate Chain R on that stuff. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I also want to take a second to invite folks to participate in a workshop that I'm putting together. In this workshop, we will talk quite a bit about privacy coins and how to access cryptocurrency privately. It's called Demystifying Crypto, How to Buy, Hold, and Multiply Your Cryptocurrency. In this two-day virtual workshop, you'll learn how to safely buy, securely hold, and quickly multiply your crypto stash. Yes, hold is not spelled incorrectly. It stands for hold on for dear life, which is a principle in the cryptocurrency world to hold the crypto if it goes up because it's probably going to go up more on not sell if it goes down like it just went down 10 to 20%. It's going to be back up when it goes down. The idea is to buy more. But we're going to be teaching you a whole lot of stuff. It's taking place May 15th and the 16th. It's 21 days away, May 15th and the 16th from 12 to 4 p.m. But I tell you what, if you can't make it on the 15th or 16th, ticket holders, folks that purchase a ticket, will have access to a replay for 30 days. You can also download it digitally and get access for the rest of your life. So I strongly want to invite you to participate if you're crypto curious if you've heard about Bitcoin, if you're like, hey, it sounds like a good idea, but I'm feeling overwhelmed by all of the information out there. I've heard the news articles that people lost their cryptocurrency, that people just completely lost access to millions and millions of dollars. We're going to teach you how to back up your wallets. We're going to teach you how to set up non-custodial wallets where no one else has access to your private keys. That's what we do when we say we'll, we'll teach you the dirty little secret that companies like Coinbase and PayPal don't want you to know about their wallets. They have access to your private keys. You don't even have access to your private keys, which means you don't have total control of your cryptocurrency. Again, this is taking place the 15th and the 16th. It's virtual interactive workshop. We'll be doing breakouts. We'll be doing Q&As. Uh, it's definitely going to be incredible. If you can't make it for May 15th or 16th, you can still get your ticket and you'll get access to the replay for the next 30 days. So again, you can go to cryptoandprivacy.com, cryptoandprivacy.com. If you're watching from the greater reset of the Freedom Cells, I shared that in the Telegram group there. I encourage you to click that affiliate link so Freedom Cells and the Greater Reset gets a piece of the action. Again, cryptoandprivacy.com. That's cryptoandprivacy.com. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, just to recap, you know, here's another objection that I get about cryptocurrency all the time. Also, what happens if there's an EMP or the grid goes down, which is a great objection to rise raise. And, and the first thing that I say when people say that is if there's an EMP and the electric grid goes down, then your cryptocurrency is going to be the least of your worries. Right. And if you're if the grid goes down, then your bank account goes down and all the money that you have stored and your savings or your money market account or your stock investments, that's going down, too. And we're pretty much going to be faced with a pretty tough scenario. So your best bet would be to focus on what food are you going to eat? How are you going to heat and cool your home, feed your children and starve off roving marauders if if it does come to that and things aren't like that for so long? But to answer the question, if the grid does go down and you have your cryptocurrency backed up and you wrote down your recovery phrase, you have your private keys exported. Again, we'll teach you all this stuff in the workshop, cryptoandprivacy.com. Once the grid goes back up or the internet goes back up, voila, you have access to that cryptocurrency once again. So, you know, I understand the objection. And again, there's some people that are like hardcore cryptocurrency. It's the be all end all. It's going to save us, right? Um, I think that it's just one tool in our tool belt. So we should invest in cryptocurrency. We should invest in gold and silver. We should invest in guns and ammo. We should invest in food and seed and food production systems. We should invest in our community and build strong, resilient networks of trust. That's probably one of the most wealthy things that you can even have. So it's not the be all end all, but by golly, it's a pretty cool freaking tool. And I do think that it's very much upsetting the powers that be and throwing off their status quo without a doubt. I mean, even to create decentralized autonomous organizations, also known as DAOs, we now live in an environment where rather than having to have a corporation or a limited liability company or some other legal entity that's regulated by the state and you all of a sudden opt into all sorts of control, you can create a decentralized autonomous organization that can provide goods and services for people, but there is no legal entity. It's a very beautiful thing. You know, Bitcoin in many ways is a decentralized autonomous organization and there's no board of directors, there's no CEO, there's no shareholders to control and coerce. You know, contrast that with Ripple, for example, that was being sued by the SEC. I think that since blew over. Library, the block decentralized social media blockchains being called out by the SEC right now. But there's a company that runs the blockchain in some ways. It is a decentralized blockchain, but there's a company behind it that issues the tokens. Same thing with Ripple, but with Bitcoin and Ethereum or Bitcoin Cash, for example, or Pirate Chain or Monero, there is no company. There is no S. There is no board of directors there is no ceo it's really freaking cool and you can you can also create you can leverage these decentralized cryptocurrency blockchain technologies in order to create decentralized social organizations like the freedom cell network for example coupling that with a decentralized cryptocurrency would enable us to transact engage in business and commerce with one another outside of the purview of the state without the state being able to shut it down but it also would provide for a decentralized consensus based decision making mechanism so large groups of people right now there's over 22,000 people let's imagine there's 100,000 or 500,000 people we could pull the group to get the tone and the feel for where people are at or we could issue votes that are like hey we can pull money in a 
multi-signature address that can only be unlocked by your freedom cell or your cadre, right? And then we can create little votes. So you like you create a vote, there's an address that you send your tokens to a yes or no vote. And there's money that's locked away because people have been contributing or the decentralized autonomous organization generates tokens when people do activism or whatever, or when you create an, an inner cadre or middle cadre. And then you can send a vote like, hey, I vote that we use these funds in order to buy a large piece of property and form our own intentional community. Or I vote that we use these funds in order to hire a private defense force to protect us from public and private criminals. And you have a decentralized consensus-based voting mechanism that can't be fraudulent. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And so, yeah, man, I think that cryptocurrency and blockchain is when you look at it in an analytical light and when you understand the foundational technology and what it really represents, it should offer us greater hope for the future prospects of liberty. All right. And again, it's a tool. It can be used for bad, for evil, for control, for technocracy. It can also be used for liberation, for freedom, for privacy, for security, and for and for decentralization. Let's see what Keith Adams says. Does BTC control the infrastructure with the transactions occurs on? So how would you transact if the infrastructure controller doesn't allow it? BTC is shit. Well, Mr. Adam or Mrs. Adam, you've illustrated your ignorance on the subject in your question itself, right? And I don't want to, you know, scare people away from asking questions because it's a great question, but you say BTC is shit, but you clearly don't understand it because there's no single party that controls the infrastructure. The infrastructure is decentralized. It's spread out all across the world. Now I will say there's a significant portion of the Bitcoin miners that are found in China, but they're not initiating attacks on the network. They're, it's still decentralized all across the globe. There just happens to be a whole lot of folks in China because the energy is more affordable there and the weather permits good Bitcoin mining. But no, there's no one that, there's no one that can't allow your transaction. That's the beauty of it. Now I will say there's, there's, there's these scaling wars. I'm not going to get into it, but there was these issues with how do we scale and expand Bitcoin so more transactions can take place. And there's a corporation named Blockstream, and this Blockstream corporation has a lot of control and influence over the Bitcoin core developers. And they basically neutered efforts to increase the block size so more transactions could take place on the Bitcoin network. And they want to institute this lightning network, which is slowly but surely being rolled out, where you set up these off-chain payment channels that are clearinghouses, essentially. So the transactions don't take place in a peer-to-peer -peer nature on the blockchain. They take place in these clearing channels, and then they're dropped onto the blockchain every so often. Now, this corporation, there is some conspiratorial stuff that could have been going on right there with this corporation that's backed by this digital currency group. This guy, Barry Silbert, Larry Summers, the former secretary of treasury, is on the board, is on an advisory board. He was the architect of the bailouts back in 07, 08, 09. And... This institution has a lot of influence over the core developers. This institution pushed for an alternative to what a bunch of people wanted to do, which was increase the block size so they could have this lightning network. Now, I will say if this lightning network does get rolled out and there's large channels that are operated by corporations or companies like Blockstream, for example, it is possible that they would be able to shut you out of doing transactions on this lightning network. However, the blockchain itself, you can still engage in peer-to-peer -peer transactions. 
without the need for these lightning network channels, but the transaction fees are high. And this is actually problematic in the Bitcoin world. So I'm glad that you brought that up, even though I think that you don't fully understand the decentralized nature that no one controls the Bitcoin blockchain, that you can transact and conduct business and commerce on the Bitcoin blockchain and no one can do anything about it or shut you out. I, I mentioned earlier, PayPal shut me out. My Frost Bank shut me out. Square shut me out. No one can shut me out from receiving Bitcoin transactions using Bitcoin as was intended to be used by the creators of Bitcoin, creator or creators, Satoshi Nakamoto. So I just want to throw that out there. But I also want to point out that Bitcoin has its flaws. First to market, large transaction fees, uh, transparent blockchain, right? Now you can obscure who's sending it as long as your public address isn't tied to your identity. But we're talking about the entire cryptocurrency ecosystem and Bitcoin only makes up about half of the market cap of the overall cryptocurrency ecosystem. And within that cryptocurrency ecosystem, there's other coins. I'm a big fan of Bitcoin Cash. They have this built-in coin join technology that mixes up the transaction so it obscures the sender and receiver. That's a very beautiful thing. We talked about Monero. We talked about privacy privacy coins like Pirate Chain and R. So, so it's a whole free market. There's over 6,600 altcoins. Most of them are pretty much garbage and don't really have much volume or transaction volume going on, exchange volume, not much liquidity. So there's not really much going on there. But there's a significant number, 20, 30, 40, 50 cryptocurrencies that have all sorts of unique value propositions from Oracle programming and smart contracts and tokens that finance endeavors and social media platforms and decentralized content file sharing and registering domain names and accessing a decentralized web. Like this is all really cool stuff, man. And much of it is antithetical to the aims of the cabal, of the shadow elite. Their aim is to centralized power, is to create a panopticon surveillance society where everything you do is tracked and traced and analyzed decentralized cryptocurrency blockchain technology that's encrypted many uh, much of it is antithetical to that so if this if cryptocurrency was invented by the man or the NSA they really shot themselves in the foot by doing it because they unleashed a pandora's box that can't be put back in the box and it's enabling people to liberate themselves financially there's even reports like the IRS is all complaining they're missing out on all sorts of revenue because of Bitcoin and they're all freaked out. And so it's a good thing. I'm telling you what, it's a good thing. All right. Keens Adam says, I'm talking about the telecommunication infrastructure, which every transaction needs. Well, you know, I don't think that the telecom companies are going to shut down all of the Bitcoin nodes in all of the world. There's not one telecommunication company that controls everything. There's multiple different competing telecommunication companies. And even if that were be the case, we have the decentralized web. It's called D-Web. We're going to be talking about that on Sunday at the D3 Tech Summit. Decentralized web technology, IFPS, I think it is, or IPFS. There's all these new technologies that are using different types of nodes and servers and connection, and there's mesh networks. There's one that somebody pointed out to me. Um, I forget what it's called, but it's these little nodes that you install, and you do the node. It links up with the other nodes on the network, and you connect to the network through these nodes outside of the telecommunication companies. I mean, if you want to focus on, on the strength of the Illuminati, and that's how your worldview is determined, then by all means, go for it. 
trying to pick apart and come up with every scenario for things to get shut down and this to be made illegal and blah, blah, blah. I choose to focus on the animating contest for freedom and the beauty of innovation and free market technology that exists and this huge swath of people that are adopting these technologies, that are innovating these technologies, that are literally changing the world. That's all taking place in spite of the control paradigm being rolled out. All right. That's what I choose to focus on. And that's the world that I live in. I've never been more free in my life, even though there's a technocracy being built. But I'm aware and conscious of the technology that exists and the hope that it offers for mankind to experience freedom that's never been experienced before. And I want to invite people. I'm going to I'm going to end on this. So. I think that a lot of this has to do with mindset. We have this tool, blockchain technology. It's obviously being leveraged by the power elite and the cabal. But if we just simply say, well, they're using blockchain-based identity, and I read this article from Allison McDowell, and blockchain's bad, then we give up the potential and the opportunity that blockchain technology affords free, beautiful people. And if we feel, if we step into a place of empowerment, we can say, wow. I want to participate in the proliferation and the expansion of this technology. That's exactly what we're doing with the D3 Tech Summit. We're going to highlight and accelerate the first decentralized evolution. World Economic Forum is pushing this fourth industrial revolution with AI, robotics, Internet of Things, 5G, track, control, trace, control, paradigm. So they're doing that. That's happening. But rather than just being like, hey, let's just research this and learn about it and get all scared and complain about it and forward articles on Telegram all day, which so many people seem to do all the time. How about we say, OK, I understand that. I see that that's happening. I'm concerned about that. But rather than freak out about it or get all defeatist and pessimistic, I'm going to learn about it so I can navigate around it. And more importantly, I'm going to explore the alternative the first decentralized evolution, decentralized technologies, privacy encryption, D-Web, blockchain, decentralized blockchain, privacy coins, decentralized social media networks like Library, which this video will be posted to. I'm going to lean into that, and I'm going to take it upon myself to participate in the proliferation of this technology so I can grow it. So future generations will have access to the technology so we can compete with the mark of the beast systems by offering a better system that doesn't shut you out because they don't like the color of your skin or the cut of your jib or the contents of your online store. That's what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. It all starts with mindset. So let's flip the script, man. All righty. All right. This is John Bush. want to do a quick video. It's getting late. Have the D3 Tech Summit tomorrow. Go to d3techsummit.com, d3techsummit.com, April 24th and 25th. That's this Saturday and Sunday from 12 to 4 CST. You can go to d3techsummit.com and then tap into the live stream. You can also catch it on this YouTube channel as well or on Float and DLive also. And then again, if you are into cryptocurrency, if you're a beginner, perfect for you. If you are intermediate already, we're going to get into decentralized finance. We're going to teach you how to fine-tune your skills. We're going to make sure there's not mistakes that you've been making for quite some time that leave you vulnerable to hacking or losing your crypto. Hosting a workshop, it's going to be live on May 15th and 16th. If you can't catch it live on those dates, you can participate and watch the replay. It'll be available for 30 days after. It's a workshop, Demystifying Crypto, How to 
buy, hold, and multiply your cryptocurrency. In this two-day virtual workshop, you'll learn how to safely buy, securely hold, and quickly multiply your crypto cash. You can learn more about that at cryptoandprivacy.com. That's cryptoandprivacy.com. We will also be engaging in a privacy component where we're going to teach you how to cover your digital footprint. We're going to teach you how to send and receive private and encrypted messages and emails. And it's going to be a very beautiful thing. Here we have Keith Adam again. Fiat and BTC currencies use the same infrastructure to transact. I'm curious what your solution is because all I'm hearing is a lot of complaining and you complain about the fiat US dollar. I, are you completely opted out of the US dollar? Because you complain about Bitcoin being controlled, but I imagine you probably use fiat currencies for most of your transactions, if not all of them. Are you building decentralized peer-to-peer -peer counter economies? What are you doing? You know, and so, yeah, we exist in a paradigm where there's a lot of control and there's a lot of infrastructure that's manipulated and controlled. But we also have IPFS, like Sean Leibel says. We also have the decentralized web, which is coming into fruition. So if you want to focus on all the problems and get all pessimistic, then by all means. But me, as I said before, I choose to participate in the expansion and the growth of these decentralized technologies because I see the hope that they have for humanity. All right. I want to respond much one more time. All right. This is John Bush wishing you peace and freedom, inviting you to the D3 Tech Summit tomorrow, the 24th and 25th. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm out. Bye.